Major League Soccer is back. New York City FC is back. Maxi Morales is back. I'm Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. Quiero y gol! Gol! New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. All right. You've got your radio voices for New York City FC here. Roberto on the Spanish side, myself on the English side. And we're going to be able to call a game. We haven't done that in a while, Roberto. It's uh, been a 16-day absence for New York City FC from the the game day and also yeah. uh, the radio airwaves. Uh, it was a break that wasn't intended, uh, but it's the loss to the New York Red Bulls uh, in the League's Cup, which uh, set in motion uh, what uh, Nick Cushing uh, today. Uh, we are at the training facility. It's after training on the Saturday leading into the Sunday match against Minnesota United. But he called it a mini preseason when they went away to Austin. They did go to Austin. They got on yeah. a couple of charters. Uh, last minute, kind of, and 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 got to Austin to to play a friendly, but also have this little uh, preseason. Yeah, it, it, and it helps because they needed to get the all the new guys and the what six new guys all told, and get them some minutes and get get them ready and get them playing with each other. And it was interesting because New York won the game two goals to one, and they they beat Austin, but it wasn't a ninety minute game. There were uh, four, there were four, what? there were four thirty minute quarters. That's no, they, how the game was played. No, they played two forty fives and an extra thirty, didn't they? Isn't that, that according said? to Maxi Morales, he said that they played. Uh, well, coach says one thing, the player will say the other. Uh, so, are we gonna Are we gonna start trouble already? No, <laughs> Maxi <laughs> just this? got back and he's countered his coach. No, uh, we're gonna get to uh, what Maxi Morales had to say uh, to Roberto in particular. Got the chance to sit and speak with him. He also had the presser today. Did Maxi Morales along with Nick Cushing, and then I did my one on one with Nick for our pregame show show uh, where we uh, got into some things extensively, including this this friendly uh, in Austin. And yeah, he I, I talked about three newcomers because I was cons- concerned with Julian Fernandez, Alonso Martinez and Burke Risa, mostly because they hadn't gotten into the country yet to, and were permitted to participate. Uh, two out of the three were in Austin. Alonso Martinez, in fact, scored the second goal. Yes. Uh, the game winner. Uh, Santi Rodriguez and, and Martinez uh, scored in this 2 1 uh, win. Uh, but then we, Maxi Morales, he comes in, he's fine. Uh, and who, uh, Andres Perea. Andres Perea, right. And then uh, Monsef uh, Bakrar has obviously played uh, a couple of games. So, yes. So. He, he's not a new integration. But so, so the scrimmage was uh, I, I, what I was, uh, what I liked about it is that he uh, got together. Um, with uh, I'm forgetting the coach's name, of course, uh, Josh Wolf. Josh uh, Wolf, yes. Uh, and, and they kind of decided how they were going to format the scrimmage, but also right. how they were going to play. A little different systems: five back, four back. Tried both of those with the newcomers, and so that's a really um, unique way to to kind of. It, uh, 
utilize that break, I think. It, it does. It sort of reminds me of like the planned scrimmages, not the games, the preseason games, but the planned scrimmages that they have in the NFL and where they, they're, they're going to decide how they're going to play. And sometimes they tell each other, you know, what they're going to do so yeah, they can like prepare that. for that. And uh, it, it's, it's an interesting way of do, going about things. I mean, in Austin, probably needs it more than New York City because they got smoked at home by uh, Juarez and Mazatlan, which was definitely not part of the of what everybody thought was going to happen. Austin's having some major problems playing international games. Remember that they got eliminated. Can't remember the name of the team from Haiti, but they got eliminated from the from the Champions League. Well, with his team from Haiti, who obviously played pretty well, a hell of a lot better than Austin did. And uh, even though they didn't even have an open game because uh, they, they played the home match or for Austin, the away game, they played it in the Dominican Republic. So uh, and they still wind up not winning. So, that, yeah, they've well, had their issues. So they needed it probably more than New York City did. Well, I don't know. Not when you look at MLS regular season standings, Austin in the Western Conference is in fifth place. They're in a, a good playoff position in the uh, the middle of the playoff crunch, uh, fifth uh, out of the nine teams that can go to the playoffs. Uh, they only have a four-point lead on 10th place in Minnesota, who we're going to talk about in a moment with uh, uh, a guy who we feel knows uh, the Minnesota United squad uh, uh, almost better than anybody, Bruce McGuire. He's going to be joining us. Meanwhile, New York City's thirteenth place. They've got a they've got a le- leapfrog four teams in order to get a playoff berth over these last ten games. And not I only think, that, I think the I think going to Austin was more important for New York City than it was for Austin to welcome them. Well, so here's the situation. Not only does New York City have to jump four teams, they have less less games to do it because New York City only has ten, seven of them at home. So that might wind up helping, although they haven't played very well at home lately so they haven't won a game at home since they beat dallas on april 22nd that seems like many moons ago but the issue is not only do they have to jump four teams to get to ninth place right but they also have to check their rearview mirror because inter miami with Messi just don't lose and if and they've got a lot of games to go so uh they can jump into this really in a hurry they've only played uh, so they've got 18 points so they've They've got got, 12 to go yeah they've got 12 to go um and so new york city has 10 to go charlotte has 11 to go the red bulls have 11 to go montreal has 11 to go and dc has 10 to go and they're they're in ninth place that's what everybody's shooting for and you can also shoot for chicago i guess who has 32 points and they have 11 to go so those are that's going to be the playoff race it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun we hope yep uh before we uh, bring Bruce in, let, let's go over a little bit more of what Nick said and then also Maxi Morales, who it was uh, – I posted it was a bit surreal to see him on the training pitch for New York City. We didn't expect him to ever come back and play. Neither did he, though. Neither That's one he. of the things <laughs> yes. he said in the presser. He said, I, I expected to finish off my career at Rossing, but I wasn't playing. I wasn't getting the kind of playing time I wanted. And he also said something without uh, being specific about – and the country wasn't the same – we know, you know, he's got a young family, and I, and I wonder what role that might have might have played in his return. There, there is a difference in pressure and in passion level when it comes to soccer in Argentina and soccer in the United States. And part of the reason a lot of players like to come here is because if they lose a game, 
they can still go to the supermarket the next day and go buy a quart of milk if they need to do that, and they're going to be fine. And in Argentina, that's just not the case. I mean, yep. the I mean, they know where you live, and uh, and that's if you and, and if you're not playing very well, I mean, they they can literally be outside your house and demanding, you know, why why didn't you play better? That's what they talk about pressure. And I don't think that that's a positive. There's a lot of people in South America, especially, believe that that sort of pressure, that the media is on top of you all the time, that they're criticizing you almost on a personal level, and that the yep. fans are, you know, stoning your house and stoning your car if you don't play well, that all that pressure is good for you, that you'll play better if you, uh, if you have that pressure. And I absolutely don't believe it and that's why a lot of players come over here aside from the fact that they get paid every two weeks which is also a different sort of pressure than you have in argentina and a lot of teams and a lot of teams in latin america you get paid uh you have you have that sort of pressure where everybody's on top of you and it's not maybe the best situation for your family yeah so um, we know his wife loves new york city she's expressed that many times and uh they love the city and so uh maxi is back yeah and it's great and he seems happy to be back and as far as uh whether he'll play tomorrow or start tomorrow against minnesota again we're recording this uh on saturday afternoon from the training facility in orangeburg new york post training Uh, nick cushing just said every time he's asked maxi morales about playing ever since uh, he was an assistant to Ronnie Dyla and then became the interim head coach and then now the head coach of maxi morales maxi always says I'm ready, Coach. So uh, I, I'm not going to be shocked if he's in the 11. We don't know um, the 11, and yeah. we're going to just maybe try to sort out who we uh, might think uh, will be in that 11. But uh, that's going to be, be a little bit fun for us. Right. Yeah, so yeah. here's the thing, right? So normally, uh, or 90% of the time, we get the lineup a couple of days ahead or a day ahead. Yeah. And so we, we know we really what's going to We really don't know this and time. So <laughs> we have no idea for tomorrow. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't ask, and it wasn't volunteered. Right. We, we didn't really, so our we did, speculation here is our speculation, and it's not uh, what I would say yeah. intelligent speculation based on the fact of knowledge just on what we really feel. So we'll, we'll go through that yeah. after we speak with Bruce, I guess, because yeah. we can't have him on hold for too long. But uh, uh, he can handle it. No, I, mean, yeah, I know. I know. It's nice in Minnesota. You want to get out because then after, you know, like and I think in a couple of weeks, it starts snowing over there. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we, we, well, we got to be respectful of that. The one thing. Yeah. And uh, so does Maxi play? Uh, he's going to play a role over these last 10 games. There's little question about that. But how you sort out all these new players and, uh, you know, it's certainly a question of connectivity and and, and bringing these uh, players together and figuring out maybe a, a lineup in the presser. I thought it was a good question asked about, are you going to try to sort out who your best 11 is and go that way? We talked about that in our last pod here on NYCFC Views. By the mm-hmm. way, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to Apple, and subscribe to Spotify. Uh, but I ended up asking about goalkeeper because that's another thing we right, talked we about talked last about. time. And uh, it's it's my feeling that uh, pick one and go with them through uh, the final 10 games. Nick agreed to a point, but if somebody drops in form, so whoever gets the job on whoever's named uh, against Minnesota, and we don't know who, whoever's, and we observed some of training, and there was no indication as to who it could be. Whoever gets chosen is is their thinking as a staff is this is the guy that's going to get us through the rest of the season. But right. if there's a massive dip in form, 
they'll make the change. That's yeah. pretty much the way he put it. There is no number one. I mean, he said it all year long. There is no number one. There's a preferred keeper at this point, which has been uh, Luis Barraza throughout most of the season, but he hasn't hesitated in uh, making the switch. And well, so Fries, uh, Matt, Matt Fries Fries got the last two games. Got the last two games. And he, the, only get, the only goal he gave up was a penalty kick. So yeah. I mean, yeah. it's sort of hard. You know, it's sort of hard to say, by the way, you got a shutout and a penalty kick last two games, but I'm, I'm going with the other guy. But I think it's going to happen. I do, too. Just because of the <laughs> way New happen. York City wants to play and prefers yeah. to play with the keeper high off the line, being part of the uh, that back group in terms of the build out and 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 that sort of thing. And I think that um, I, I think that just overrides the uh, option to uh, to start Matt Freeze, even though um, he did pretty well over he the last did. two ma- as I said last time that you know the shutout against Toronto, you or I could have been sitting in between the uh, the posts and probably gotten a clean sheet against Toronto. Ouch. There was one. There was one good stop in there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that was not a particularly challenging match. That was a five nil match uh, in the League's Cup. The other thing Nick Cushing said about the goalkeepers, though, which I I, I found pretty interesting, is he said. You know, whatever happens the rest of this year happens. But going into next year, it'll be really important to name a number one for the for whoever the uh, whoever is the number one keeper to be told that whoever's the number two, that player gets told that. And that's the way uh, it is, because, uh, you know, it's it's two inexperienced keepers. And um, up to this point, neither one of them has really, really, really taken charge of uh, of that position. Hey, the opponent is Minnesota. So let's go. Let's bring Bruce in. So Minnesota United. What about so four games have been played uh, between these two sides, New York City and Minnesota. New York City has two wins, a defeat and a draw. It was a a New York City win last year. They played just last year. Three of the four games have been played in Minnesota. And for the first time, Minnesota United is going to play at City Field. And sure enough, Bruce McGuire, let's bring him in. Uh, he of the, you may remember him, of the Dunord podcast. And uh, this is a guy who has just followed the Minnesota sports scene, but in particular soccer and Minnesota United uh, over the years. And sure enough, Adrian Heath today uh, in his press, or maybe it was yesterday, I just saw it uh, presented by Minnesota Today, talked about the baseball diamond, you know, in his, in his press or so. Bruce, everybody seems to be all concerned about playing on a baseball field. How are you doing, first of all? Pretty good. I decided to wear my Minnesota Twins cap. There you go. Well, well done. Just, just for well the baseball done. aspect. You know? <laughs> I was expecting you to wear something Prince, but fine. You know, You've gone with the Twins. I just decided since they're going to play in a ballpark, let's, uh, let's wear a ballpark hat. All right. So why is Yankee Stadium and City Field so much on the brain of every single coach? And again, it was mentioned by uh, Adrian Heath. I think it's because human nature is constantly looking for excuses for when things don't work. And so they bring up all those strange little points, anything that's slightly unusual. You know, if, if it had fake turf, they would bring that up. If it had... American football lines, they would bring that up. And so they, they love to find these little things so that afterwards, when it doesn't go right, they can say, see, I told you. <laughs> hey, it wasn't my fault. Artificial term. We should just interject that Messi in his first American uh, presser uh, announced to the world that he'll have no issues playing on artificial surfaces because he grew up as a boy. That's all he played on. Now, he did say, I haven't played on in a long time, but uh, Messi's playing in Atlanta. 
and wherever else yeah. was turf. But uh, that, yeah, that was Charlotte pretty. and yeah. Charlotte. Yeah, that and was New interesting England, to hear. I think is the other one. Uh, well, okay. They play in New England. Oh, all right. That's you know, it. It, it's it's. I think it's a matter of uh, mindset. It really is what it's all about. You, you know, I mean, he might feel different after he plays on a game on fake grass. Well, especially when he goes to Gillette, he may right. reconsider after he plays at the, on the Gillette surface. The yeah. Atlanta surface is sort of decent because Tata Martino, when he was coach of the Mexican team, and normally every time that they do their tours throughout the United States, wherever they play in, be it AT&T Stadium or any of the stadiums that have turf, they normally put in, you know, real grass that has only been grown like for a couple of weeks and, you know, it's not stitched together properly and those fields aren't necessarily very good. The ball doesn't and bounce very well. And when they were going to play in Atlanta and they were going to put the field down, like, no, 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 forget it. We'll just play on the turf. We're fine. And that was like sort of surprising because we've never seen any Mexican coach do that. So he's more than comfortable on it. And I guess Messi's going to be fine as well, which is good to see. It's great to see. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I never like hearing those pregame excuses. So, so what, what of this Minnesota United team? I, I, I have to ask you about Reynoso because I don't know that whole story. Uh, uh, can you explain why he arrived so late to the scene? And it does, it seems like he's certainly been welcomed back into the squad and has been their best player over the last few games. Uh, it was a mystery to everyone except those on the inside, inside the club. Um, the only thing that's been said publicly is that it was a family issue. Okay. And I don't know what that exactly means. I do know that he has a wife and a young child. And when he first came here, they were not with him. And then last year they were with him. And I don't know if it had something to do with that, with them maybe not wanting to move back here again. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. But I do think it was a very heavy burden on him, whatever it was. Because when he came back... He looked different. He had lost weight. We, you expect a guy who doesn't play for quite a while to have put on weight. He lost weight. And he had a real distinctive, um, I don't even know what the word is. I don't want to say gaunt look about him because when I ran into him the first days he was back, he had a huge smile for me and, and said hello and wanted to chat and all those things. So whatever happened, he worked it out. And he seems very, very happy to be back here. And his play has been better than it's ever been. 489 minutes in seven games, five of them starts, four goals and an assist. And we, I think anyone who's observed the league, you know, he's uh, he's been a popular figure to be called, you know, one of the, if not the best 10 in the league, you know, along with Zella Rayon, who's no longer here, uh, Lucho Acosta, you know, that sort of, you know, in that sort of company. So, it's massive for the club, yes? There's a six or seven guys that every club would love to have as their number 10, I think. Um, but it's it gave a huge boost to the whole team, and that was the other unknown, is how would his teammates react with him coming back? Yeah, yeah. And, and from everything we've been able to see and tell, it's it's been great. And, and they gel, and they're getting more and more time. I mean, during the League's Cup, he put up huge numbers. He had six assists in five games. Well, it helps to pass the ball to Bongo Kukle Longwani, right? So uh, yeah. he's been absolutely—he's <laughs> been absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's really good on the ball. He's so so quick. Um, you, you guys found a diamond in the rough, if I may. I think so, and he's also slightly unorthodox. 
And so he, he can turn players inside out because I'm not always sure he even knows what he's going to do next. And he's got that a little bit of a seat of the pants, you know, attitude where he just goes, he, he gets that ball and he is coming at you. No matter what happens, he's coming at you. And when a player does that, and then they get the confidence on top of it and they get passes from somebody like Reynoso, that's a really dangerous combination. It, it's great when you see a player like that just come out of their shell and come alive. And, and that's what this year has been. There was a lot of believers last year. I didn't quite see it, but as this year has gone on, it's gotten better and better and better week by week, month by month. Now, another uh, player that I think would, would draw a lot of interest. And uh, we were here at the training facility today and there were uh, a couple of supporters who were asking about Tajiri Shradi, Ishmael Tajiri yeah. Shradi, uh, a recent acquisition. And uh, he's got a goal and an assist in a couple of matches. He's uh, played in a reserve role. Is there any indication about how his role might develop over the, the last 12 games for Minnesota? Well, they definitely need him because they're they're short in the attack, especially players that can actually make something happen. And and he only played in two or three games, very, very limited minutes. But like you said, he had an assist the first time he was out there. He had a goal the second time he was out there. And then he had a hamstring injury, and he hasn't played since. But they say he's fully, re, fully healed, and he's ready to go tomorrow. And we've all seen players play against their former team and how – you know, that could be a great motivator for them. So I think there's a chance we see him. Um, I would, you know, they, they're playing him on the right side only so far, but it's only been two or three games. So we'll see if he can move around to the left side too and anywhere across the middle. He, there's no doubt he can be an impact player. We all know that. It's it's just a matter of consistency with him. So your big impact player that was signed in the summer was uh, an ex-Norwich player, which is Timo Puki. Uh, he had a goal early on and then seems not to have fallen off a little bit. How do you see his play and what does he need to do to get back on track? Yeah, just the one goal in MLS and Leagues Cup. And that was, you're right, it was his first start he scored. You know, I yeah. think it's, it was a good goal. It was. It was great. <laughs> it was. And, and you watch him, you know, when you when you sit in a stadium and watch, you see a different game than what you see broadcast on television, obviously. And you see him making great runs. He moves into space like a serious pro, a guy who's played in England for a long time. You know that they make the right runs. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept those jobs. But it's it's a matter of them connecting with him. I think he may have lost a step in his speed. But there's a whole nother element of him coming off a full season. He had about a month off and then he's thrust right back in. And I don't know if you guys watched Nashville over the last couple of weeks, but they brought in Sam Surridge. He's the, Nottingham, he's the difference. I, th I think he's one of the reasons they might be uh, uh, an MLS cup title contender. Uh, he's uh, it, it just, it's another dimension for them that they didn't have relying so much on Hani Mukhtar. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to compare him to Puki, but they didn't. He hasn't started yet. It's all been off the bench, right? To get him time to build up, get his conditioning right, get his teammates' timing right, and all those things. And I think it would have benefited Minnesota. I'm saying this in hindsight because now I, you know, I look like a genius, but they would have been better easing him into the team rather than thrusting him right into the starting lineup. The ah, coaching point for Bruce McGuire. I like that. Man. <laughs> they, like that. They, did, they didn't have anyone else though that could really contribute yeah, from yeah. the start of a game. And so they were, their hand was forced. 
but I think he needs more time. And, and anytime you sign a player in the summer, I never judge them until maybe two months into the next season when they've had some time off, <laughs> yeah, they've yeah. gone through, they've gone through the full preseason and by May 1st, you know, if you've got a player or not. Yeah. But isn't he, uh, I, I, I did my charts this morning. Isn't he like 33 years old? He, he doesn't have a, a lot left in him. Does he? No, he is. Right. He might even be older than that. No, he's 33, March 29th, 1990. Yeah. And they didn't pay a, a, a transfer fee for him. Mm-hmm. So Which is good. They're, they're, yeah, it is good. But that means there was no other teams competing for him, basically. Hey, Bruce, I want to ask you about, um, and this is my final question, um, Adrian Heath. Yeah. I recall last year someone uh, somewhat on the inside who had learned that he was going to be uh, uh, re-upped. Uh, they were going to extend his contract. And the uh, this uh, person said the supporters are going to go crazy. Uh, he's not a particularly popular figure there. Uh, can you tell us why? Is it just the fact that he basically has a 500 record and they haven't really done much damage in the playoffs or is it something about him? What is it about Adrian Heath? There's a few little things. He's oddly twice. He has said, I don't understand why Americans are obsessed with substitutes because he uses the least subs, least amount of subs in the whole league and his players tend to get burnt out. They tend to get worn out. And, and I think the fans have gotten tired and, and of hearing these odd little shots that he takes, at, especially at supporters and real hardcore fans that I think the general fan likes him a lot, but I think in the United States, general fans like people in soccer that have an English accent. No, there, there's always uh, some bias there as, uh, as we've learned. So I have one last question for you. Minnesota has one of the best stadiums. They have amazing atmosphere yet. Their, their record at home is worse than their record on the road. Why is it that this team thrives more playing away than in front of an amazing fan base that always turns out? I don't know. I, I heard somebody once say that they love going to Portland as an away player because even the, the fans that are against them, a big revved up crowd really energizes them. And so, you know, maybe part of that energy is going to the away teams. Minnesota's biggest problem this whole season has been a complete yo-yo. You just go down the list of all their games. They play great one game, bad the next. Great, bad, great, bad, great, bad. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. And it hasn't seemed to matter where they put the performance in, if it's at home or on the road. So I think maybe it's just been more of a matter of timing than anything else because they've had moments of looking great at home in every game, but there's some strange focus that they seem to lose. And, and that's been an issue of mine from day one since they joined MLS is the team I don't think has a very good mental attitude. Wow. Well, we, we had an interesting chat with Nick Cushing um, regarding uh, his trip to Austin. And, uh, you know, he said that the, the coach there, why do I keep Josh blanking? Wolf? Josh Wolf. I keep blanking on Josh Wolf, one of our. Uh, it's great like me strikers. and David Lee. Same <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, but Josh Wolf told him uh, uh, on at least two occasions since he's played at the Q2 stadium uh, or coach there with his team, they've trailed by a goal and have either come back to, to tie or win the match purely because of the energy that the crowd produced. So it, it goes both ways, I think, you know? Goes it both definitely ways. does. I mean, I've. They've had a really good record at home through the first four years. 
And this is the first year when it's been very big question yeah. mark. And yeah. no one can pinpoint it. It's because the crowds this season have been bigger than any of the other seasons. All right, Bruce. Bruce McGuire, this guy, uh, he knows Minnesota outside and in. He's worn his Minnesota Twins cap to uh, designate the City Field Baseball Diamond <laughs> Complex for the big match on uh, Sunday night. Minnesota coming to visit New York City FC. Denord Podcast. Bring it back someday, Bruce. What the heck? Come on, man. We'll see what happens. All right. But thank you so much uh, for coming on and, and giving us some uh, Minnesota insight. I love talking to you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thanks so much for making the time for us. Okay. Have a good one, Bruce. Bruce McGuire. All I right. told you that you were going to get like a massive preview. I, you yeah. knew that th- this is the go-to guy. Yeah. So, uh, and um, the Adrian Heath part, uh, you get the uh, uh, feeling that uh, a lot of uh, – the supporters still are not uh, big fans no. of Adrian. Well, you they know weren't why? a big fan of him in Orlando either, by the way. And no. they ran out of my town. They ran him out of town. I uh, got a chance to observe him close up. Uh, I can't, it was. I think it was a. I don't remember what match. It's while he was at Orlando, and he he was like one of the biggest whiners I've ever seen as a coach. I mean, <laughs> any any level, anything. He was just whining the whole match, and it kind of it turned it turned me off to him but then one of the reasons i kind of like adrian heath well there's two one is uh patrick vieira um who i I was very fortunate to be able to visit when he went to nice uh and uh but the week prior the week before i got there he had invited adrian heath in and he told me he was a big he liked him he he was like a big supporter good football man you know just so i thought well, Patrick brings him in to, to learn from him. I, I think that's a, a pretty significant vote of confidence. And, for Adrian and, and good for you for for allowing that to influence what you thought of him, because it's important. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's I, really good because it, it shows that you have an open mind. And it's not like, well, this is what I think of him. And that's yeah, that. Yeah. Somebody like Patrick Vieira says, by the way, I think this guy's bright. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, now I got to reconsider everything I thought. But then you have to manage the whole situation, too. So he might be able to bring, bring good football insights and how he does things. The other reason I like Adrian Heath is because during the pandemic, he, Bruce Arena and Gio Savarese, about 22 bottles of wine uh, after <laughs> after one of the one of those matches in the pandemic, and they uh, I just I, I think uh, Bruce Arena spilled the beans on that one. Bruce Arena, who the league we still have no idea what's no. going on with Bruce Arena, which is I I am so I'm pretty perturbed by the fact that it's been lingering like this. You know these investigations. I mean, honestly, well, what they've, got to they... be thor- they've got to be thorough. And I, I get that part. And we become impatient because we want to know Hasn't what's going on. Hasn't it been on. about a month? Yeah, but maybe they still don't have a full investigation. I mean, well, I, the people they need to talk to, are, are they, uh, you know, are they I, away? We don't know. Are, are they, we are don't they know. on that, uh, that SpaceX? Are they out of the, you Patience. Know? Oh my goodness! Well, I, I I feel for Bruce because to me it's it's a when you, when it lingers like this, it affects you, it affects your yeah, family, of course. And I I, th- I think it's un- whatever happened. I think it's unfair uh, that, that that there hasn't been some sort of you know conclusion or communication or, or something about it. G- going back to Adrian Heath whining, as you put it. By the <laughs> way, it was his words. I'm just quoting him. Oh, oh he's uh, a whiner. He's a big whiner. Oh, yeah, okay, so. One of the nicest guys in all of MLS is Gio Savarese. 
Yeah. Yes. And, Gio and, is one of the nicest guys. Oh, we're, and, you're going to go to a poolside chat. We had, uh, yeah. we had a poolside chat with one of the referees in MLS, and it was a yeah. great chat. And he said there was nobody who, who was in his ear yapping more <laughs> than Gio Sabarese and that he's known for it. Yeah. He's, when I see Gio next time, or I'll speak to him. Uh, I'll, I'll have to ask him about that. Hey, uh, one I, I, love, I, love I, Gio, yeah. I love Gio, too. And um, uh, we're uh, normally we do the kicking it around segment, but we've kind of moved into that. And then we're going to close this thing. So don't think that we you won't get that special graphic the next time. Why don't we just do it? And then All we'll right. close the show. We're, we're going to kick it around. Go ahead, Sammy. Uh, the what, informality what, is the formality yeah. of the show. To, to go back to Gio Savarez, yeah, we're, we both love Gio. I want to talk about Miles Joseph just for a moment. Fine. Because my former collegiate program, Rutgers University, on the women's side, uh, I was visiting them in preseason. You'll like this. Yeah. And uh, the head coach, Michael O'Neill, I'm, I'm having a dinner with the team, and and, and they um, and Michael said, well, I, I, I've got to get going because I have a recruit on campus. And uh, and Mike goes to me, uh, do you know Miles Joseph? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, good, great guy. Uh, he's out of Portland now. He goes, yeah, his his daughter flew in tonight and is on an official visit at Rutgers University. Oh, that's And she cool. committed to Rutgers. All right. So I was doing a BTM broadcast the other night, Rutgers opening game. Uh, uh, and um, they uh, they won the match 2-0 against Holy Cross. And I get a text after the game from Miles saying, I guess I'll be listening to you for the next six years because his daughter is not even coming in until 2025, which is the way recruited. But isn't that nice? Miles That's Joseph, really sweet. who was with the Red Bulls for a while, you know, and uh, he has some New Jersey stuff in him. Uh, he, uh, His daughter will be uh, – um, Rutgers themselves cannot announce this, but I can as the former coach. doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> we, we got the Women's World Cup. Uh, yes, it's uh, going to be 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. So you may hear this before it kicks off and ends, or you may hear this afterwards. But it's England against Spain. I thought interesting comments. You should know Nick Cushing. Uh, there are four players uh, on the English national team that he coached uh, at Manchester City when he was there for seven years, winning trophies. And so he's had a, a, a distinct interest in the World Cup. He's watched every game. He's watched other games, too. He's very invested in the women's game, too. I, this, I, I don't know how. He watched all of Ronnie Dyla's game with the Standard Liège. He... <laughs> I don't think he ever stops watching uh, the game of soccer. And then League's Cup. Again, you may hear this before League's Cup kicks off at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but uh, briefly on that, you've got Nashville uh, playing host to Inter-Miami or Inter-Messi. And so uh, what do you think about this game? So let's give our predictions, and then we'll see how we did when we uh, reconvene uh, early next week. Okay, first, the most important news on that, which is for anybody who's in Nashville and Tickets. they're like, so, yes. So on, uh, on Ticketmaster, the cheapest ticket is $398, and I think that's an all-in price, but they add another fee of like 450 per se. And then if you use uh, TickPicks, okay, if you use them, it's 359 all-in. 
All right, three fifty nine all in is the cheapest price. The prices have been falling throughout what the day. What does all in mean? All in means That's that you don't have to pay all, fees all the fees and everything. Oh, okay, so, okay. like, if you go, for instance, StubHub, and they say three twenty, and then you have a whole bunch of fees on top of that. So, right. be, be careful about all the fees and all that. Shop different, uh, you know, ticket. Uh, you know, apps. So uh, right now, the best that I've seen is TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. And uh, 359 is the cheapest as of now. So if you're in Nashville or planning on flying down there within the next 10 minutes or so uh, for the game tonight, then uh, that's where you want to get your tickets. So that's that. So you're making us do predictions? I, uh, I think Nashville is going to win the game, and uh, I think Messi's going to suffer his first loss. Busquets, Alba, Martino. Uh, yeah, I think the first loss so, uh, in, in League's Cup. Uh, so here, here's what, so here's what uh, the Mexican fans on my Facebook page are telling me, okay? Because they've said, this is important. Understand, I want you to listen to this. This is what I'm I've got to deal with, okay? I'm going to listen. This is what I have to deal with on my uh, Roberto Abramowitz Oficial, which is 1F on Facebook, okay? So the tournament was set up with the sole purpose of giving Messi a title, okay? And referees have been favoring MLS teams so MLS teams can win, okay? And this is all that they've been doing. This is that this is what they're telling me. And Do- then within the past two days they've been saying uh, the t- they, they some of them continue to say the tournament is fixed and it's set up for Messi and then other people have now chimed in and said, "No, the tournament is fixed, and Nashville is going to win because they don't want it look. They don't want it to look like like they favored it for Messi. <laughs> There's no losing. The tournament's fixed, no matter what you do, which is ridiculous. Well, I, I, it's I, absurd. I'm, but I'm this to, is what they're telling me. I'm trying to quickly look. To me, the story of this game. So everything's about Messi. The story yes. of this game is a goalkeeper named Panico, a twelfth. Uh, overall pick out of UNC Charlotte, who's been in for in goal for Joe Willis, who's been away for personal reasons. And now Gary Smith, the, the head coach for, for, for Nashville, has to make this decision. Does he play Joe Willis, you know, the veteran who's, you know, obviously done very well for them, or does he play this kid Panico, who has been sensational in, in particular in the penalty shootout to which get them to this point which you know? by the way they've taken willis out of games to put him in for the Good penalty point. shootout Fantastic. before uh willis had to go away on personal on um, personal things so uh and so, now so to me that's a thing. Huge, that's a huge decision for so who this, are you going to put in goal for that right so for this tournament i'd probably go with with panico and the reason i say that is that if you go with panico who obviously you trust and if the game goes to penalty kicks he's already there if you use willis Okay, and we have to understand that this tournament only has three windows. The halftime window, if you make a a substitution at halftime, it counts as one of your three windows, which is different from MLS. MLS and Liga Emekis both have halftime as a extra window if you want to use it. So now you've got to save a window and you've got to save a sub to put Panico in in the 90th minute if it goes to penalty. So this way. I think that you have more options. Does it go directly to penalties? Yes. The final as well? Uh, I believe so. I'm not okay. sure. But it would have to, right? I if would everything think else so. is that way, you would I would think. That, I don't know. Yeah. I'm. I wish you hadn't asked me that question. All right, I asked you. Neither one of us know, and there you go. We don't have all the answers here. Hey, no. Let's. We we want to we want to put a close on this. And Sam Surridge, 
three shots, three goals. That I think he, uh, along with this kid Panico, could hold the key uh, to this match yeah, against Miami. Miami's defense is awful. I mean, the fact that they beat Philadelphia was more Philadelphia imploding. And Andre Blake, who I love and I think is one of the great goaltenders of this league and maybe in the history of this league, had a horrific game. Horrific. I mean, saves that he would normally make in his sleep went by him and went into the back of the net. And, and that's we also, why we I also think Philadelphia use, lost. We don't use trite phrases, phrases here on uh, NYCFC views. Saves he would make in his sleep. We don't. We don't. We aren't uh, used to using hackneyed phrases and, uh, and and trite phrases. So thank you, Roberto, for uh, filling us uh, filling us up with. Uh, Hackney. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's hey, this is what I've got to put up with. Hey, listen. So uh, we will be back early next week, probably Monday, uh, to review what happens Sunday night. We'll be there calling the game in uh, Roberto in Spanish, myself in English, and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, being able to uh, hang with you here. Thanks to Bruce McGuire also for adding his insight uh, on Minnesota, the opponent for New York City FC on a Sunday night. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Enjoy the game, everybody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.